Hey everybody, we're here with Brandon Gatson today from uh, School of Reform from Louisville, right? Yes, sir. All right, <laughs> legit. And yeah. so tell me a little bit about your ministry. Tell me a little bit about where you came from. Yeah, man. So I'm a PK. Um, I tried to run for ministry like Jonah and it didn't work too well, man. And um, I, I knew that God was calling me to be involved in ministry. I just didn't know what it would look like, what it would look like. And uh, growing up in the church, there was things I didn't necessarily feel reflected my, I guess, style, approach, swag, you know, uniqueness or whatnot. And so um, after I stopped running, giving my life to the Lord and finding uh, a conviction in my heart from the Lord on what it is I'm supposed to bring to the body, we created this school called School of Reform. Um, the nickname is SOR. And SOR is designed to present Christ to the culture but represent Christ to the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's doing it, though, being you, being who you are in God. So it doesn't look like the traditions of men. It doesn't look like Christianese. It doesn't look like the typical Sunday morning, Wednesday night expression. You know, it's really um, creating a space for a multicultural expression, for a uniqueness of different graces and abilities. So we try to have this melting pot of just style and uh, and and cultural, um, um, I guess, cultural revelation of what it looks like to be you in God. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that? What does that look like? Because I know walking into most churches, it's actually the opposite. It's like the most undiverse place you mm-hmm. ever walk into. Yeah. So what it looks like from uh, from the head down, we are intentional about being diverse. So our team, you know, whites, blacks, Hispanics, the whole nine. Um, and our team consists of older people, younger people um, from our team ministry. I mean, we got leaders from the ages of eight and on up. So we try to make sure we involve everybody in that our actual meeting. I mean, hip hop, worship, praise, dancing, mm-hmm. flags. I mean, prophetic expressions, hype music, chill music. I mean, it's like it's just kind of like a melting pot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of people bring up like the conversation of diversity for the sake of diversity, right? Mm -hmm. But like, so like the decision to keep something diverse, Mm -hmm. do you have to kind of fight for that? Are there times when you have to like push back? Well, no, I don't have to fight for it. What's cool about it is in the heart of the people that we have involved. So it's really organic and natural. It's not like we're in our personal life. We don't really have a life that's diverse. So when we try to do this ministry, we try to become diverse so we can have a diverse ministry. No, it's really who we are normal on our normal days of living and then coming together and just making a big expression of the lifestyle we've pursued. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like, how what would you say to someone who has a business, has a ministry that's not diverse right now? Like, same type of person, Mm -hmm. very cookie cutter. Yeah. Lacking diversity. Well, it depends if they have a heart for diversity and they want to see change in what mm-hmm. they're doing. My advice would be to them is um, really start to create an environment that models what it is that you want. So if you want diversity in your business, in your in your store, at your church, et cetera, then go ahead and start putting diversity in the foundation. That's what your leadership, you know, your your, your VP, 
your team, just make sure it's diverse in its expression. Start mm-hmm. with where you can control it, and then the places you can't, I think that culture will start to filtrate and, and see it change. Yeah, so what makes diversity so important? Um, because you can't get the fullness of God without it. God is very mm-hmm. diverse. You know, you got Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah mm-hmm. Rapha, you got El Elyon, you got, you know, Jehovah Makadishkim. You got all these different expressions of God that he expressed through people. You know, you got Peter to the to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles. You have, you know, the 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 Samaritan woman. You have the Seraphonician woman. You have all these different people that get impacted by God. And if you heard their story, it would all sound different. But if you don't get them all together, you'll miss a portion of God's expression because you're isolating a group of people. Mm-hmm. So you can't get the fullness of God. And how that looks in the earth without diversity. Do you have like any representations of what that's like in the Bible? Um, yeah. So I think like, this is crazy. Ooh, this is real crazy. Uh-huh. You don't really see. And my mind is just going through scriptures. You don't really see in the kingdom of God, especially in the New Testament, a full expression of diversity. You don't really see it. Not really. Yeah. Yeah. But where you do see it is in the secular, you see it at the Tower of Babel. Yeah. You see all these people from different nations coming together on one accord to do this one thing. Mm-hmm. That's what, I think that's got real intention for the day of Pentecost. Um, but the, at the day of Pentecost, it was just the Jews gathered, to their, gathered together. It wasn't everyone else. So you could find it really. Okay, so here's a, here's a cool way to put it. The term church, the term apostle, the name uh, Saul are all secular terms. They didn't originate in the Hebrew language. They're, they're not terms that God created or came up with. They were terms that secular people, people that are void of the influence of God, they created these ideas. You know, so apostolos or apostles, that was an idea that was created by the Greeks. Church was an idea created by the Greeks. Saul is a name used by the Greeks. Jesus couldn't find in Israel, an example of what he was doing. So he had to borrow from the secular world and bring in, bring that into what he was doing because he only found in the secular what reflected what he was looking to do. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about diversity, we have to borrow at times in the secular because you don't see it at the church. So sometimes you have to borrow outside as a model of what God wants to do inside. And I think right now, in my brain right now, the Tower of Babel, would be a pretty decent example because it's diverse. You have all these different types of people together. Now, granted, they're not speaking multiple languages at this time. They have one language, they have one speech, but they're different. Mm-hmm. And they're all together for one goal. Mm-hmm. And that goal went against God, so God gave them multiple language. He diversified them more where they would have to need him to, in order to unify again. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's really a biblical example. That yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what's what's like your current opinion of like uh, what's going on as far as racism goes? Yeah, well, I think a little bit of what we're saying right now is really the basis of it. I, my personal conviction, if I let you in my world, yeah, I think that this is um, indicative of a misinterpretation and misunderstanding of God. Um, and I say that because of what people are looking for. So people are looking for solutions for equality. And that's the first thing that God made. He made man and woman. He made them equal. He made them to be um, 
in a place of uh, same value, same outlook. You know, they're sons and daughters of God. He made them that way. We've gotten away from that from the fall and became so many other ways. But if I had to, like, try to connect it, I would say, bro, racism and partiality, social injustice is Jews and Gentiles. Is mm-hmm. what you see in, you know, the same thing you've seen, you know, and it affected our church leaders just like it affected our church leaders mm-hmm. now. It affected Peter. It affected James. It affected Barnabas. It affected those guys just like yeah. it's affecting us today, you know. And so what I think has to happen is this divine encounter like Paul had where light shines and it knocks him off his horse and God gives a revelation of how he feels about men and someone being willing to stand against a Peter, to stand against a James and say, no, God has made us to be equal. He's, you know, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We're the body of Christ, you know, and really model love and, you know, and equality among us so that we can finally be a representation to the world. Yeah. Think about this. If, if God, put the church on the earth to be the answer when problems take place. But if the church is divided and acting like the world, we can't blame the world for where it is because the motto is broken. Mm -hmm. And so the church has to really adjust to the the, the perspective, the values and those things of God so that we can be the model to the world. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, but you got a lot of stuff going on, man. You got the political stuff. You got a lot of, you know, I don't know how. You got Principal. You guys just got so much stuff that's taking place right now, you know. But Specifically in Portland, yeah. A lot yeah. of stuff. Oh, yeah, for down. sure. You could feel it in the streets of Portland. I was down downtown last night. I rode by right where they're, you know, Antifa and all the protests and stuff. You could just feel it. Yeah. You could feel, you could also feel the agenda in the streets. You could feel that this thing is definitely, yeah. you know. And like, just so like people who are listening, like we're recording this in like August 13th. Mm-hmm. So, and like this would probably be re- released in like, Two weeks from now, mm-hmm. so like riots are still going on. They might even still be going on in two weeks from now. Right, um, right. So nothing might have changed. If anything, it could it could totally intensify. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe until elections or whatever. I don't even know. Right. But uh, I, you were. I, I'll go. I'll go yeah, ahead, you were you were sharing about uh Peter. I think right was it Peter mm-hmm. uh, the other day. <clears throat> uh, I'd love if you like just briefly elaborated on that. This yeah. Uh, I think with Cornelius, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so um 24 and 8 were the two jersey numbers of Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. When he was number eight, he was younger. Um during his latter years of being number eight, he had Phil Jackson as his coach. He had Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. And then he had this change of experience. And he switched his jersey number to 24. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he still has Shaq. Well, Shaq, actually Shaq left. And Phil was still there. And even though he has on the same jersey, things were different. Peter was expected to be like Kobe. He was expected to go from 8 to 24. But when God was calling him into jersey number 24... He kicked against it because he liked wearing eight. Mm-hmm. During Peter's earthly ministry, he's three years with Jesus. Well, Jesus' earthly ministry, Peter's with Jesus three years. And, you know, during Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus is coming under Moses. Jesus is coming only for 
the nation of Israel. Jesus is coming. He's depicting like he's a representation of Israel. So Israel was in the wilderness 40 years. Jesus in the wilderness 40 days. Israel was in Egypt. Jesus was in Egypt. You see him like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of being a being a representation of the nation of Israel. And so Peter's watching him. Peter's watching him preach Moses. Peter's watching him saying, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Peter's watching him saying, man, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Peter's watching how he respond to the Shulamite woman and, and the Samaritan woman. You know, like he's he's there watching these things. And so now Jesus is like, it's time for me to go. I've, you know, I did my job, died, uh, resurrected, taking the keys, that kind of stuff. And now, Peter, I'm passing the baton to you. Okay. Now I want you to go and continue the things that you see me do. So he's going to go do that. He's rocking. He's number eight. He's taking over the team. Shaquille O'Neal's gone, whatever, however you want to see it. Mm -hmm. But he's taking over now. And now he's going and he preaches this sermon in Acts chapter two. We love it. It's day of Pentecost. And he goes up. And he quotes that what's taking place right now is Joel. He said, man, this is the experience that Joel prophesied in chapter two when the Lord said he was going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Yeah. He couldn't have been so wrong because he's at this place and it's nothing but Jews there, bro. It's only Jews at this meeting. But he quotes Joel and said that this is all flesh. This is not all flesh. This is just the Jews. This is just only one family line in the earth. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking in his mind, I'm just for the Jews. I'm just for the Jews. I seen Jesus. Jesus came only and for are the there like, Are there like, are you inferring that? Are like there specific like spots where you could tell that like he's just all about the Jews? Just oh, for like people who. Would, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. first Jesus in Matthew 10 verse 8, when he first commissioned the apostles, he told them, go and preach the kingdom of heaven, heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, mm-hmm. freely you receive, freely you give. He said, now, two things I don't want you to do. Don't go into the city of the Samaritans and do not go to the Gentiles. Do not go to them. Don't take this message to them. Don't take the power to them. He said, only go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Mm-hmm. And that's what he told Peter. That's what Peter continued to do. So Peter's doing this for like he's, like he's upholding this standard that God gave him. Mm-hmm. And it goes to where the verse you quoted, Acts 10. So in Acts 10, he's hungry. And all of a sudden, he goes into a vision. And in the vision, he sees the head coach. He sees Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus drops a blanket from heaven with all these animals in there and say, Peter, slay and eat. What do these animals represent? These animals are the animals God told Israel under the law of Moses, the Jews, not to eat. They're unclean, right? So he says, eat these animals. Really, what is he saying? Violate Moses. Break the law. Mm -hmm. And in him doing that, he will have to abandon all he know about his Jewish culture, everything that he know about Israel, and even forsaken things that he learned from Jesus. So his first response was, not so, Lord. He know who he's talking to. He said, not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. The Lord had to tell him three times. Right after that, Cornelius' dudes walk in because Cornelius has this angelic visitation. And he was like, man, the Lord sent what well, the angel told us to send for you to go to Cornelius' house. So he goes to Cornelius' house. And the first thing he says when he walked in his house in Acts chapter 11, I mean, uh, later on in Acts chapter 10, he goes in there and says, you know, it is unlawful 
for a Jewish man to be in fellowship or going to the house of someone of another nation. But God told me I should be here. So I'm here. Mm-hmm. So he's saying to him, bro, I wouldn't normally be here. This is against the law for me to be here. And that was a very thing in his vision. The yeah. Lord was telling him to violate. So he still had this mentality. I'm just for one group of people. And if if I was pulling it into the culture, bro, this is so in our culture right now. And I'm I'm being yeah, chill yeah, like, right now on, on, on your pod. But I it's <laughs> something like, I mean, we've created a Jesus. We've created a Jesus in our nation from its roots where you can say you're saved, filled with the spirit of God and have slaves. You can say you're filled with the Holy Ghost and the love of God and put a family on a trading block and separate a dad from his son and from his wife. And you think that's the Jesus that was in Jerusalem. When you don't have a revelation of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus, you could be partial if you're just clinging to what Peter was clinging to. This Jesus that was only for the Jews, that was only to the house of Israel, that was under Moses. But when Jesus tried to reveal the fullness of who he was and say, Peter, I need you to take off that number eight and switch to Jersey 24 because there's something I'm doing that's new. And I really want you to, to lead this thing because I've given you the keys to the kingdom yeah. and him, he, the fight when he's fighting with God like that. And, and he had that issue all throughout the book of Acts. And Paul brought it up again when Gentiles came around. They was, they was chilling and eating. And, sure, Peter, yeah. and Peter was still acting. He, so he still had that issue. Yeah, I, I guess you could even say just like um, with that, it's almost like we're called to abandon shit from our cultural spheres. Like whether it's like, you know, um, our, a young crowd mm-hmm. or like a college crowd mm-hmm. or, you know, a European group of people. Right. Or African American, Latino, right, right, right. Like if we stay in that culture, almost mm-hmm. it isolates us because mm-hmm. we're clinging to something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, like, we're partial to that. Yeah, like we want to. We want to stay to that. We're it's, we're real faithful to our culture. I mean, a lot of us are more faithful to our culture than we are to our faith. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it's because we feel like it's who we are. We find our identity in the in the culture. You know, I just feel like I'm a black African American male. I suppose to love hip-hop. I'm supposed to love soul food. It's like, you know, if you don't do that in the black community, they say, oh, you're not real black if you don't like greens or if you don't da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? So people have identified so much with the culture. It's it's been the thing that molds them, makes them, shapes their way of thinking. I mean, dude, we, as for a long time in the church, we were waiting for the next fly dope thing that the secular world was going to do so we can bring it into the church because we didn't have ideas because we didn't know how to be ourselves or we'd be intimidated that if we were so different from the culture, we wouldn't be accepted. So we got this rejection issue because we want the church to really be embraced by the world. And really the way to do that, you know, is, is, is really being who you are, being greater who you are. People can't, they could deny you, but they can't deny the anointing. People that wasn't even Christians was loving Dr. You know Martin Luther King because he was so dope at what he did. And you just had to embrace him. He just has too much impact. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's really about cultivating who you are in God. Your gift will make room for you, whether it's in the political world, the business world. I mean, what do you do with someone who could just sing their face off and yeah. she just undeny it? You know That's what I mean? That's a good point. I just like, no matter how, like, 
however big your love is for like all people of all cultures and like all nations, mm -hmm. like doors open up. Oh, for sure. Like people's hearts open up to you, saved and unsaved, right? Because mm -hmm. people want to be accepted. People yeah. want to be loved. People, I mean, it's, it's, it's ingrained in every single person. Whenever a person wants to be valued, they're really saying they want to be loved because that's what love reveals. It reveals their value. So any person that wants to be valued, wants to be honored, wants to be appreciated for anything, what they're really saying is they want to be loved. And everybody does. You not everybody may not want it from the same people, but you're gonna want it from somebody. You're gonna want it from your employees. You're gonna want it from yourself. You're gonna want it from a spouse. You're gonna want it from someone. Mm -hmm. And that qualifies you for the love of God because all the other loves are too inconsistent. They're conditional. Yeah. So they're only as good as you're performing. So I guess it's like uh like lack of diversity, lack of uh a diverse culture or like a heaven culture. Mm-hmm it can hold you back from uh, like fulfillment, mm. right? Yeah, it, it, it like can. From, from a fulfilling life. Because you're can. missing a piece of, of your life, right? It can, and, you know, and, and not necessarily just in assignment, but in, in the fulfillment of you, you personally being all that you can be in God. Mm -hmm. You know, God makes sure that all your prayers aren't answered just from you and him. He makes sure that he puts a lot of the answer to your prayers in other people mm -hmm. so that you can see the value of their life. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, we've been just talking to like with the team talking about how like everything God ever does is through a man. Mm -hmm. Everything. Mm -hmm. yep. Except for particular occasions where something won't, but the general rule is all things go through man, you know, whether right. you're looking for, if you're looking for a raise, it's going to come through a man, right? right? Right. If you're looking for, relationship is going to come through a man, right? Right. If you're looking for salvation, it came through a man. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's all very relational. So I could see how like lack, a lack of diversity or a narrow mindset can actually block you off from the fullness of community because you're isolating it to a specific community. Mm -hmm. When God gives you, you know, the whole earth, right? right. All people, all nation, all flesh Absolutely. to have relationship with. Absolutely. Right? No question. Yeah. There's almost like, you could almost be missing like parts of, who you could become, right? Mm -hmm. You're like missing like a level of like education. You're missing a level of uh, creativity. Absolutely. Of, you know, a lot of different things, food, uh, style, yep. uh, music. Like if you, if you stay consistent to just one small thing, you'll never know the others. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like how, how would you uh, like point someone in the direction of like either change, change, do you try to change a culture or do you just fully abandon it? It depends. It depends on the source of that culture. I think that's like the issue right now is like, do I stay? Do I respect my my culture? Right. 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 Because I want to stay and I want to be the change, right? I want to change my culture. I want to be the betterment of my people. Or do I just hop ship and go find a place where that culture is established already? No, I think, I think, you know, but you've heard that before, right? Like that's like an argument in people's, you know, subconsciously in their head. Like, what do I do? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know, we're called to be apostolic people. You know, and when you look up like what apostles were, you know what I mean? The Greek in the, in the old days, they were people that went out to change culture. So I'm from, I'm originally from Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so in Atlanta, we say shouty. We say, what's up, folk? you know, and just different terminologies, right, that we used. When I moved to Kentucky 13 years, 
I went into a different culture. And being in that culture, it started to change the way that I talked because I was surrounded by all these individuals that talked a specific way. And was this like during college or? This is during college. Yeah. So, so by default, certain things from Atlanta began to drop off of me because I was around other people from other cultures. Mm-hmm. And then there's things from Atlanta that stuck with me that are the foundations of my life that I would never leave because they reflect the values that mm-hmm. I have as a person. I think the answer about culture, it just depends on what it is that you've been reflecting. If you've been reflecting from the culture, it's views on sexuality, it's views on women, it's views on same sex, it's views on political things, and these things are unhealthy, those are the things you have to completely yeah. ab- abandon. Just like like chew the meats, but off the bones. Exactly, right? no question about it. You know, but honor the, what what is honors what's what's right. Exactly, but there's yeah. things in our culture that are good that are yeah. valued. You know, what I mean, you can't judge a system based on its abuse. You have to judge it based on its founder yeah. or its foundations. You know, we say stuff like you know the equal rights to speak. You know, what I mean, you look at the amendments. You know, all men are created equal. Those are things that are healthy in the, in, in the culture that we want to hold mm-hmm. on to and cling to. So we celebrate the values that reflect God and the things that don't. We just don't. We just don't embrace. And that's how we pick and choose in the culture what's what's what we can say yes to and what we can say you know what we can't say yeah yes to. Well, I think that's a really good way to like just wrap up that part of just like talking about like culture and right uh, di- diversity. Like I think that that what well, your last point was really all-encompassing kind of ties everything back together to just like uh i think it addresses a lot for for people right now Mm -hmm. especially since like it seems like there's a tug of war behind like culture you know like wherever you go like yeah because you go to one city like almost the reason you travel is because you want to experience culture right Mm -hmm. and there's like a tug of war Mm -hmm. between each place wherever you go Mm -hmm. between two different types right right um and so it creates division, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's if we, that's if we feel like everyone should be like us. If we appreciate the different cultures, it should be a celebration. What, what do you think makes people think that way? Um, pride. Fi- once again, finding themselves in their culture. So yeah. you know they they feel like you know our culture is the best, and it's because it's my culture and it's who I am, and I view it as the best because. It's mine, you know, and I live through it. So you got a lot of insecurities and stuff that manifest. Anytime you have comparisons, you have insecurities. Like yeah. when you start to compare stuff and, you know, this and the third, and this is so, I was going to go left field with this, but <laughs> I don't know, I'm just going to follow this impression. Do it, do it. it happens It happens a lot of times in relationships. Mm-hmm. When you begin to compare, you know, this girl with that girl, the girls aren't the issue. It's really you. Because you haven't found the way to see the beauty and the mm-hmm. uniqueness of her for her being her. And a lot of times when people get married or they come into these relationships, they bring that over into their marriage and they compare mm-hmm. their their wife's body to another person's body. They compare her husband's physique to her ex-physique. And what does yeah. it do? It starts to create something unhealthy in her and it takes away from who he is. You can't even appreciate him, right? Because you're in a place of comparisons. Mm-hmm. What happens when it just becomes, you know, you just are. Whatever you are, you just are. And I value who you are. I yeah. value you when you were 17 and you was the slickest thing out there. And now at 45, you're still just you. And I'm not comparing you to anyone else. I'm just valuing who you are, who yeah. you've become in your journey. And it keeps it healthy. 
Yeah. But when you get to people, you get people comparing cultures and all that kind of stuff, it's not good. And it's a yeah. sign of immaturity or insecurities or people who found who they are in their culture and they're yeah. trying to defend it. And that brings me back to like the church almost, mm-hmm. like looking at churches, comparing one another. Yep. Comparing the worship, comparing mm-hmm. services. And speakers and all this kind of stuff. Paul yeah. talked about that. Paul said this. He said, we are not as like those who compare ourselves among ourselves for this is foolish. Another translation said it's unwise. Mm-hmm. So he said only fools and people that don't have wisdom compare themselves to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I even think that applies to businesses too. It's just like that whole concept of like the grass is always greener on the other side. Like mm-hmm. this business has these benefits and they have this and mm-hmm. the place looks better. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it just like when you're in that comparing, there's nothing to want better, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing to want, to wanting like, uh, you know, a, a better place, a better environment. Mm-hmm. Like that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like when you're always looking at that and you're always comparing, you'll never be content where you are. Absolutely. And you know, I used to think like McDonald's and Burger King were in competition as businesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chick-fil-A and Popeye's, we've seen that whole chick, yeah, you know, yeah, chick- yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. But it's funny that these owners hang out. They support each other businesses. Yeah. And they do it because even though they're both selling chicken, burgers, the burgers and the chicken are completely different. Burger King don't have Big Macs and McDonald's don't have Whoppers. And they could exist same street right across the street from each other and not be threatened. They actually support each other. They can support each other because they realize even though they're both making burgers, their burgers are uniquely different. Mm-hmm. And you can't even com- you can't compare a Big Mac to a Whopper. Yeah, they're completely different burgers. That's actually like one of their marketing strategies is to put every big chain right next to each other mm-hmm. in the same area mm-hmm. because you actually feed off of each other, mm-hmm. and it actually makes all of them prosperous and, and go. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. Everybody prospers more when you do that, mm-hmm. which is weird, right? Right? Like you would almost think like, okay, let's put that in perspective, like church. Like you put them in the same area, mm-hmm. like you, you would, a pastor might worry like, oh, they're going to take my people, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, oh, like I have people by me, mm-hmm. I could partner with them mm-hmm. and we could actually influence a gr- on a greater level. Right. And see, yeah. you just, you just nailed it. Once again, insecurities, selfish thinking, they're going to take my people. So you can only compare and think like that if you're thinking for yourself, my people. But if you're thinking about just serving people, you don't really care whoever comes to the door becomes your next target. Yeah. And you want to serve them. And you, like you said, you want to lock arms and support and stuff like that. I mean, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, for you, I want to just address, like, a group of people, like, as far as uh, people in their 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Coming out of college, going into college, um, I would say a lot of people come up, a lot of people share, they say that they don't have like total fullness or they feel like they're not living out um, like their calling or they feel like they're not in the will of God, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would you want to say to them, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it's a big question, like, like, I don't feel like I'm in the will of God. Mm-hmm. I don't feel content. I don't feel fullness. Mm. Yeah. What, what would you want to say to those well, people? Well, first, you don't want to find fulfillment or um or contentment in 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 a calling yeah because callings are seasonal there there is not just one calling throughout the duration of your life so there's a difference between callings and purpose yeah 
right, here's what the scripture says. Isaiah 53 and 7 says, To all who are called by my name, who I've created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. So God is saying the reason why I created man was for one reason, for my glory. And glory means to show something, to reveal something, the exhibition of something. You know what I mean? If I put my phone behind my back, you can't see it. But if I brought my phone in front of me, you could see it. Now yeah. I'm, you're seeing the glory of my phone. You see the phone revealed. You can actually, you know, put your eyes on it and see it manifested. You can touch it. So man is created to be the glory of God, where if people wanted to know if God exists, all they have to do is look at man. Man would display his love, his power, his authority, everything about God to the degree he's given us or the measure, we can reveal him. You find contentment in that because that never changed from season to season, from relationship to relationship. No matter where you in life, where you are in life, that doesn't change. Every day you wake up, you're alive to be the glory of God, to reveal his mercy, to reveal his grace, to reveal his healing power, to bring understanding. Now, you do that in different callings. So right now you're doing that through a podcast. Sure. Yeah. Right now you're doing that through you know, technology, you know what I mean? You're also doing it through testifying and preaching and teaching. In these different calls, all you're doing is manifesting purpose, mm -hmm. which is being the glory of God. So your call or what you're commissioned to do is seasonal. I was called to be in Atlanta for a while. Then he called me to West Virginia. Then he called me to Ohio. Then he called me to Kentucky. Then he called me to Chicago. Then he called me back to Kentucky. Then he called me to L.A., now he called me back to Kentucky. My calling to be in those locations all changed, but my purpose didn't. Yeah, but that was, I mean, that that could have totally been the reason that you traveled a lot. Would you say that that was because you were willing to yeah, travel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you had an open heart towards yeah, that? Yeah, and that's the other thing too. You there's can't, a lot of people who are like, I don't want to ever move. I want to live in the yeah, same place see, for my and, entire life. And that's where you're going to run into problems. You can't say you want the will of God and then he tells you something and you were butted. You don't want the God, you don't want his will. Yeah. You want him to... You want God to partner with your will. You, you want, want to incorporate. You him want in God your life. to cultivate everything around you. Yeah, instead yeah. of you cultivating it. Yeah, and and and, and yeah. So a lot of people like to incorporate God into yeah. their plans, and that's a whole different topic. That's that's not a topic of calling and purpose. Yeah. That's you. You know, you've got some. Okay. Uh, yeah. So when we address on. like calling purpose, mm -hmm. if there's not a willingness to relocate. If there's not a willingness to mm -hmm. a, change your environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you say that maybe you're not in a place of wanting the will of God? Or yeah, we'll, well, look at Jonah. Let's, let's go into that because maybe that's not clear. Look at Jonah. All right, so Jonah is called by God to go to Nineveh. He's like, I got a place I need you to go. Mm -hmm. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to go there and preach. All right, Jonah decided, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go preach to these people. All right, mm -hmm. so he goes somewhere else, hops on a boat with these other people. And they're rolling. And all of a sudden, all of his peace is gone. Mm -hmm. Storm coming. Chaos is taking place. Because he doesn't want to go with the will of God. So these guys are like, yo, this is not normal in our lives. You know, when you're in fellowship with people that are outside of God's will, sometimes they can bring storms in your life that aren't normally there. You have been connected with people that are just full of drama. And you're like, course, bro, yeah. okay. So that's how it was with Jonah. Jonah had all this drama he was bringing mm -hmm. to other people's lives because he's running from God's will. 
And so they end up casting lots. The lots fell on Jonah. And Jonah was like, yeah, I'm the reason why this is happening. And Jonah even says it. He says, toss me out the boat. You're going to get your peace back. You're going to get your life back. So there are times you have to get rid of people when you're talking about you being in God's will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jonah gets thrown into the belly of the, uh, uh, or gets thrown into the sea. The whale comes and gets him. And he's in there until he complies with God's will. Right. So kind of what's the point in that? When people are contrary to the will of God, when they like want to go against the will of God, how can you expect to have peace? How can you expect to have favor working for you? How can you expect to have all those things when you yourself is going against the person that gives those things? You're totally in opposition to him and still wanting him to respond as if you're obedient to him. So we're not saved by works. We're not saved by works. Salvation isn't by works, but certain access to things in your life comes through how you steward God's will for your life. And when you don't steward things in your life a certain way, you bring other things in your life that's outside of his will. So you can't say you want the will of God and he calls you to do, you know, like he called Jonah to go to Nineveh. He calls you to do something and you rebut his will and expect it to be peachy clean. And then you're praying to God as if God is the problem or all this stuff is the problem. no. Problem is that God needs us to submit our will to him. I'm going to say this right quick. So Jesus says this to this guy. Well, you got two situations. This centurion comes to Jesus. No, this dude that got leprosy comes to Jesus in Matthew 8. He says, Jesus, if you are willing, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It's amazing. It's dope. He calls Jesus Lord. Lord means the one that determines what you do. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed and heals the guy. He heals him and then gives the guy an opportunity to show that Jesus is really Lord. How? By giving the dude some instructions. After he got healed, Jesus said, okay, now here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to the priest and show them that your leprosy is gone so that I can continue to honor Moses. Do you know what that leper did? Do you think he obeyed Jesus? No, he went a completely different direction and did what he wanted to do. Jesus was only Lord when he needed something from Jesus. But the moment he got what he needed from Jesus, he went back to doing his own thing. And that's how we are with God's will. We only comply with his will when it's what we want. But the moment Jesus tells us to do something that's against what we want, we do our own thing and prove that he's not really Lord. He's not Lord all the time, maybe Wednesday or Friday or Wednesday or Sunday morning or when we're in a place of needing something from him. But I can't say, God, I'm frustrated, confused, and, and I'm in a, in a bad place because I don't know your will for my life and your calling for my life and all this kind of stuff. And then he starts to instruct you on stuff and you fight against him. I mean, dude, you're proving a lot of stuff. You're proving that your heart's really not content about praying. Secondly, you're proving that he's not really Lord of your life. And that's what you really got to submit to. Because he may call you to be like Paul. He told Ananias, God told Ananias, go to this dude named Paul and tell him all the things he must suffer for my namesake. And Paul was just content with suffering because he had met the Lord and he was yielding to the Lord. We only want God's will if it's rooted in hedonism, if it's rooted in it's going to bring pleasure to my life. 
But the moment God starts speaking to us about persecution, being in places we don't want to be, not dating right now, you're not going to get married for the next five years, we got a lot of issues with God. Why? Because you're violating my plan. And that's making me have to submit to you as God. And we don't want that. We show that there's other motives and intentions in our hearts. And we're living through a selfish edge while we're praying for God's will. That's totally, uh, that's such a paradox. An oxymoron doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's, I mean, that's accurate. I mean, that's, that's how sometimes I've perceived it. Um, I think that's relatable to a lot of people. I don't know. Have you ever been in that place where? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my I God. think, I think that's something everybody can level with. Like mm-hmm. we'll come to God when we need something and mm-hmm. it's convenient yeah. to do it that way Yeah. because then we go where we want, mm-hmm. what we think we want. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this back and forth thing. It's like a cycle. It's like we come, we get, we leave. We come, we get, we leave. We come, we get, we leave. I mean, it's a repetitious cycle. It's shown through all of the Old Testament. Like just, it's like a spirit of repetitious Mm -hmm. living. (laughs) You know, the crazy thing about that is that he never changes. We come, we go, we leave. He still lets us come. Yeah. And he never changes. Because he's like a deep well and the well never leaves. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't move around. It stays in the same place. It's mm-hmm. it's there. It's he's like stable. It's it's solid and it goes deep into the earth, right? Mm-hmm. So like it goes mm-hmm. goes far down. Right. And there's there's always enough water, you Amen. know, because the water source is it's infinite, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um so like what do you what about like day to day life will of will of God, right? Yeah. Because I, I, I talk a little bit about that to people, how it's like everything is a yes until it's a no. Because mm-hmm. um, I think there's a misunderstanding. Like people are almost stuck, frozen in their life from doing anything. Mm-hmm. And they almost just turn into a rock because they haven't heard the will of God. Yep. But they have didn't take any practical steps of understanding what the will of God is or like what they should even do is just like a person. Right. Right. You know, like. I remember like three, four years ago when I was like, I want the will of God in my life, but I'm broke mm-hmm. and I can't even maintain a bank account of right. like 50 bucks. Right. 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 I don't even like have a car. I don't even have a job. I'm going from job to job to job to job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm here asking for the will of God. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious what the will of God is. It's like, get my life in order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like start to like cultivate yourself. Right. To, to start doing what he wants me to do. First Timothy chapter two, Paul says what the will of God is. He said for us to pray for people in authority and all people. Yeah. He says for it's the will of God that all men be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So God's will for your life and my life is that we be saved. The word saved is the word sozo. That's us being healed, us being delivered, us being made whole us being safe and sound and us offering that to other people, offering healing to other people, safety or soundness to other people. You know, when you talk about God's will, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's okay. The practical way to walk out God's will is just really living life by faith. You may not hear a Holy Spirit's voice, turn left, turn right, stand up, sit down. It's not called to be that way. We've taught it that way. It's not called to be that way. You live by faith. And once again, faith is a view. It's a perspective. You know what I mean? Every day of your life, you and I get the privilege to love on people. You ride by people every day. You see people at the grocery store. 
some people in line don't have enough change. You you get an impression somebody's having a bad day. You get the privilege to love on them. Can I bless you? Can I encourage yeah. you? All those things are purpose. All those things are the will of God. You know, so I don't make it like some deep mystical thing because you don't see Paul doing it. You don't see Peter doing it. Yeah. You don't even see Jesus doing it. He's just living. There are times in Jesus' ministry, he's actually figuring out what God is doing through other people. He tell his mama, it's not even time for me to do miracles yet. And she's like, okay, let's see. And he ended up doing this miracle at the wedding when he said it wasn't even his time. He discovered what God was doing through his mom. And, and you just live life with an awareness that I want to be a blessing to people. I want to help people. So here's practical stuff I do. I know God wants to bless people. So I have I take my clothes that I'm not wearing, clothes that I've outgrown, or clothes that I just want to get rid of. I put them in my trunk, and I have them prepared for homeless people. I have a I have a money money change drawer in my car that's specifically for homeless people. I'm prepared to serve them because I have the faith or the expectation that today I'm going to rob yeah. by somebody and they're going to need it. Practical, yeah, super I get, simple. Yeah, like almost like you intentionally prepare your day that God and you have faith that God will provide or open up doorways Absolutely. or set it up for you, right? Yeah. Like if you believe you're a missionary, like pack your bag for mm-hmm. missionary, mm-hmm. put it under the bed and, and ready. it's ready. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then you just continue to go on with your day and believe in faith and yeah. do what you can. Well, I almost feel like... Uh, like, cause we're talking like, we have that, we have that honor to like share to people and encourage people. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that people don't do that because they're, cause they're bad or like they dislike people. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they never took the time to intentionally be aware of the emotions of other people. Mm-hmm. Right. Just, mm-hmm. just insensitive yeah. or apathetic towards the emotions of other people, right? We're right. just not aware. We're not paying attention. Right. We, we've almost put up blinders because it's more convenient to have mm-hmm. blinders, right? Mm-hmm. Because then I can kind of just bulldoze through my day, get mm-hmm. my stuff done, mm-hmm. make sure I'm good. Right. And like, I'm chill because if I'm actually aware of what's going on now around I'm me, challenged to now, I'm my, now, now my convictions will come up yep. and now I'm going to actually have to pause my day and start to, you know, die to myself. Yeah. You know? Because God forbid, I actually have to go into God's will mm-hmm. and start serving people yeah. during my work day. Which On is, Sunday, it's chill. Like yes. Sunday, thurs- Thursday, you know, whatever the day is, like right. when it's allotted for that, oh, mm-hmm. it's fine. Like, oh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go do that. Right. Man, you're hitting it. <laughs> you're hitting it on the head, man. It's just, and, and that's the thing. Like, we got to see the beauty in it and we got to make it fun. Yeah. When, when, you make, when you make the will of God fun, it's a lot easier to do. You know, and uh, and that's something that I myself, I'm still creating ways in my own personal life to have fun with the gospel, yeah. have fun with the will of God, the purpose of God, yeah. and just love on people to the yeah. best of my understanding and grace on my life. Mm-hmm. There's one thing I want to hit on. It's okay. how did you meet Dan Muller? I was because- driving home from Chicago and... Uh, so I had went to a couple well, of power loves. L- let's explain like your relationship with Dan Moore and then like how, how you met him. Cause okay. I know that like you do stuff with him and mm-hmm. there's like a level of like a partnership, right? Yeah. So, well, Dan to me, he plays different roles at different times. So he's, he got this one aspect where he's like a father. I feel like on a consistent basis, he's like a big brother. We have so much fun. We crack jokes all the time. He takes in the phone calls, sports, to his his wild nature life, to my daughter Eva that calls him Danny, 
and just it's you know he's been such a mentor role model follow me as I follow Christ kind of person in my family's life you know so I salute him I love him I appreciate him I could just go on and on I just I'm so grateful to be connected to him and to be able to just to have him come and do meetings with me or pick up the phone and say hey man I just want to tell you how much I love you you Mm -hmm. know just just that kind of thing and I have other people, obviously, in my life that's been just as impactful, if not Yeah, you're very impactful. well connected, it seems like, from conversations and... Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people that are not even known. I mean, obviously, okay. we know the known people. Yeah. But, bro, I know some giants in Jesus that don't have don't have those platforms that you would meet them and you would be like, oh, this is incredible. You'll say, Dan's incredible. This guy's incredible, too. And this guy's incredible. I mean, the graces in their life is just profound and profuse. But um, so I had went to a couple of Power and Loves, seen Todd and those guys there. They were preaching, teaching. Todd mentioned two people named as people that he was inspiring to be like and looking up to. One of those individuals were David Hogan and the other individual was Dan Moeller. And uh, he spoke so highly of Dan. I'm like, man, who is this Dan guy? Because this Todd character is really off the hook. And I know if he's looking up to Dan, then this dude must be something special. So. I started looking up YouTube videos, started checking out Dan, was blessed instantly by his life and his revelation and his heart. And uh, and so at this time, I had kind of like kicked off itinerant ministry and um, was traveling and stuff like that. So it's roughly six years ago when I really started going itinerant uh, full time. I'm leaving Chicago from a meeting, driving home, and the Lord says to me, call Dan Moeller. And I'm like, I don't have his number. And the Lord said, Google it. And so... Um, I Googled, I Googled his number and it popped right up on Google. No, you're kidding. Oh, it popped right up, bro. <laughs> Cause it's not supposed to be there. I, I mean, you know that I'm like, <laughs> and so I called him just so people know Dan Muller's phone number is one of the most elusive things on the planet. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> so, um, it's not on, it's not on Google anymore. It well, was though, yeah. at that time, <laughs> five, six years ago it was on there. And so, um, and, uh, and so I called him. I left a message. He didn't answer. I left a message. Two weeks later, he calls me. I was in a gas station. And uh, I answered. He said, hey, buddy. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Pastor Dan. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. He was like, hey, listen, I don't normally do this, but I heard your message and just felt like in the Lord I was supposed to call you. What's going on? And I was like, man, Pastor Dan, I'm, you know, I, I help with campus Bible study at Kentucky State University. It's HBCU. Uh, which is a historically black college. And we're having a crusade, which we have every year. And we pack it with college students. And I would love to see if you would come out and speak. And he was like, well, when is this? And it was like two months away. And he was like, oh, buddy, my schedule is booked. Uh, he said, I, I, I booked my whole calendar in, in the same month. And he was like, I have no open slots. He was like, I tell you what, though, you call me this time next year and I'm there. And he gave me a certain month to call him. And I was like, okay, cool. So that next year came around, I called him. He came out. He stayed in my apartment. Uh-huh. And we were up like to 3.30 in the morning. I bet. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. And um, from that moment was the start of just like. Yeah, now you guys have like a relationship. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so here's a story. He'll, he always bring this up. And if, when we when we bring him out here to Portland, that's mm-hmm. the goal. Yeah, yeah, you'll hear him talk about this. So when he came to my apartment, 
Um, I tried to have him sleep on my bed. He wouldn't sleep on my bed. Now I'm a single. I'm a bachelor. So I have a mattress, but it's on the floor. It's not on like a, you know, it's not all on a mattress. Um, uh, Staying, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now. But anyway, so I have a mattress in my room on the floor. And then I have an air mattress. And so Dan wants the air mattress. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I give him the air mattress. And I didn't know it had a leak in it. So at like... 4 a.m. in the morning, five, yeah, like 4.30 in the morning, all you hear is this moving like, shh, 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 and I'm like, what's going on? So I get up and go in the living room and the air mattress sucked Dan in because <laughs> it, was, it was leaking and he was like in quicksand trying to trying to get out of it. Until this day, he was like, man, you really test my love walk when I came to your house, huh? You gave me that air mattress with that leak and... I was on the floor and da 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 and all this other stuff. I'm like, man, come on, man. If you're gonna live this gospel, man, live this gospel. <laughs> no, but it's he's just a great guy, man, and I, I love him and so yeah, he's been he's been that to me, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's had an impact on so many people's lives oh, that I know. It's crazy to hear just you bring him up and people are like, Oh my God, Pastor Dan, oh Yeah, but you won't is, but you won't see him anywhere. But you won't see yeah, he's real low key. He doesn't but every but a lot of people know him, mm-hmm. and more than know him, they've he's impacted their lives Absolutely. more than most people for sure with a platform have for sure. Which is the astonishing part is like affecting somebody virtually with no platform. That's incredible. I think that's that's crazy. It is. It's a God thing for sure. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, like, so what's your plan, right? So I mean, we're we'll probably wrap up pretty soon, but like, what's like your plan? Um, your mission for like I don't know, yeah, the so, season that you're in right now, yeah, because right we don't know how long that is. Right? Yeah, right now, I mean, so I try to I try to be a jack of all trades to the best of my ability. I try mm-hmm. to get my heart to growing in God and learning about the different aspects of life that He intend, from love to righteousness to the apostolic, the prophetic to kingdom to culture to Old Testament, New Testament. I try to really give my heart to understanding. Um, he has called me to be a teacher. Uh, that's one of the facets of my life. So, but right now I really feel called to address the culture and address the things that are taking mm-hmm. place right now in the culture. So my conviction has led me that way. And so I'm really studying the culture and yeah. I'm studying the kingdom and really seeing how the, the two worlds are supposed to, yeah. you know, how that's, they're supposed to look. That's interesting. Cause it's like, culture has always been an issue, mm-hmm. but this year specifically, I should put a demand on it to mm-hmm. like actually start to influence it and change it. Yeah. So like almost like it's been like, like we've kind of put up with it mm-hmm. for a while mm-hmm. and just kind of let it sat, sit there. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of culminated in like birth into like an actual problem that needs to be like addressed like right now. Like right. you can't really wait anymore. You can't yeah, put it off. For sure. Holy Spirit talked to me about that before the year kicked off. The end of December, I dropped the flyer for my year. And the Lord helped me. I was going to Israel. I was going to Amsterdam, going to Europe, doing some stuff, a lot of stuff in the States. And this is kicking off to 2020. And on my flyer, the theme I felt like he told me to put on there was Christ to the culture. So I dropped this the end of December, knowing that the Lord wanted the focus to be on the culture, but I never knew that it would mm-hmm. translate into what it is now. But upon that felt more, prepare in a sense to start dealing with some of these things and start trying to shine light on it uh that will reflect what God is 
really stand towards these issues and challenges. Mm-hmm. Dang. Well, I'm excited for that. That's that's awesome. I love the fact that like we're we're obviously us, the team, myself. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be like partnering with you more and oh yeah, hopefully helping helping you out and you're helping us out and just you coming into town mm-hmm. has been a really big blessing because everybody seemed to learn a lot mm. and just you being around like you have a lot to share, right? Wow. So I mean, if anything, like I feel like. There's a big desire for like myself and other people like to get help promote your platform and like mm-hmm. almost even like put you up because <laughs> like the message you have and just the, you know, even your view on like diversity and culture is, mm-hmm. is very refreshing because I feel like oftentimes we don't realize that that's what's sucking us dry as mm-hmm. far as that's what's draining us. Right. Is because we're dealing with the same thing day in, day out. Mm-hmm. And w- our souls need diversity, right? Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to do the same thing every day repetitiously, right. whether it's in your devotions or even worship, like worshiping the same song every day of your life. <laughs> like like there'll be moments of power behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Where like, okay, like there's still power behind it, but it gets so repetitious that you're almost like, it gets old, right? right? Like Jesus always did something new. Because mm-hmm. it would get very repeti- it would get repetitious, right? I think there are other reasons too behind it, but I also think because of the fact that um, doing the same thing over and over and over and over again gets you the same result, right? Right. Um, and so we've been doing that, and I think that like you have an, a clear answer to that. It's like start to want to like diversity in mm-hmm. every in every aspect. So like start mm-hmm. to want it. Um, I guess for the person who owns a business, for the person in school, for the for the mother and the father mm-hmm. who want diversity or want change, more importantly, want change, right? like a change of scenery. Usually we think the answer is we should just move, right? Mm-hmm. That's not always the answer, right? Because right? you could just be running from your problem, right? Absolutely. So that means there's a deeper level than like the physical or like your external reality. Um, so like on a level of like internal reality, um, what what should we prioritize like as far as um, addressing that issue of like not either not enjoying life or mm-hmm. feeling dull or feeling not fulfilled mm-hmm. or it feels like half half empty. Yeah, you gotta realize some of this stuff is really practical. I mean, you gotta have fun. You gotta you gotta enjoy. God goes with us places that we go. You know, if you go. When I was playing basketball, man, I would have so much fun playing ball. And doing it unto the Lord, you know, playing drums, had so much fun doing it unto the Lord, hanging out, you know what I'm saying, going to the movies, taking vacations, going to the beach, going to these places and talking to God while I'm there, involving him in my heart and in my soul, you know, cracking jokes, making sure that life is full of moments that I could turn back and look at, that I can smile on because I remember the, the enjoyment I had in these moments. Mm-hmm. You got to be intentional about having fun. One mm-hmm. of the cornerstones of our school is you can't be a part of our school as a leader if it's not fun. If it's not fun, you can't do it. Because the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is joy. Mm-hmm. So finding ways to enjoy, finding ways to enjoy studying. You know, one thing that I did for years that helped me remember and get the scriptures in my heart, I would play hip-hop instrumentals that I liked 
and 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 rap the verse, rap the verses that I'm that I'm trying to memorize to the, the instrumental. And I would just have a ball in the car with, you know, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and the sound mind. I would have so much fun memorizing the verse because I like freestyling. I like rap. I like, you know, I like that. Yeah. And I would took to, I would take something that I like and mix it with a conviction that I have in God and would just have the most fun in the world. Yeah. I feel like another point to touch on is like just not taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. here's the thing. I mean, we know that it's serious, but but you to, but you you know what I'm talking about. Like you but we don't have like to yeah, we don't have to take or, it that serious. Yeah, because yeah. At the, first of all, at the end we win. Second of all, it's Holy Spirit's responsibility to lead us and guide us into all truth. Yeah. To produce this boldness in us, to uh speak to us if we're if we're off kilter. So I don't have to have that pressure on me. You know, me knowing his role is so good and so dope because it takes the pressure off me where I can't just have fun, where I'm not trying to live like so spiritual in the moment that I forget that this thing is beautiful. It's a privilege yeah. and it's life. Definitely. Yeah. I appreciate that. That was really good. Appreciate um, you, bro. Appreciate you. Right back at you. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it was awesome, but I mean, I don't want it to be too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people like absorbed a lot of information. I don't know if we're going to put this into one Okay. episode or if it's just gonna be split up but cool. i mean for the most part i think you addressed a lot of topics mm-hmm. um and just like every other episode i like to be really we like to be really specific and just kind of like go out i mean at least what i feel like is a need mm-hmm. you know so a lot of this stuff like if i'm addressing it too it's just because like i care about it i'm i'm passionate about it um so it's really refreshing when when i can have someone come on and they can they can share and you know share truths that you know, can support the lifestyle that I want, you know, for sure. Just a lifestyle of fulfillment and of joy. Yeah. And I guess one thing I would leave it off on for myself is just having like a persistent mentality of wanting better for yourself Yeah. in all things, right. Wanting better relationship, wanting better, um, you know, uh, better peace, better joy. Mm-hmm. And when I say persistence, like a persistent mentality, I mean like no matter how many times you fail, you still persistently want better, mm-hmm. but you're not condemning yourself. Right. Because it's just a mentality of like, I want better and I can do better, mm-hmm. but I don't need better right this second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm content. I'm happy with where I'm at right now. Right. But I still want better. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're not totally passive, but you're ready for more and you're wanting it. And so I would say like for most people, like, Continue to want more, like even if you're still have like sin directly tied into your life or you're mm-hmm. constantly failing at your job or in your like at school, mm-hmm. like have a persistent mentality that like I'm good enough. My life is still intact. Mm-hmm. Like I can still live in joy even in failure and that like the best is always yet to come. Right. So it keeps on getting better. Yeah. No matter no matter everything. Right. Whatever happens. Right. And so, um, like if there's one if there's a part that you want to share on that or Well, I think you hit it. I think you hit it. I mean, those affirmations, those those things are really necessary to, for you to look yourself in the mirror and do that. Yeah. A lot of times we don't invest that way in ourselves, but it's really good to invest that way. Yeah. You know, we invest in the spiritual, we invest in the prophetic, the healing, but we don't invest in our physical identity and the health of our soul where we get alone and say, Hey, you're doing great. You might have messed up. A lot of people messed up. 
Look at your persistence to stay with it. Yeah. Look at your heart to go after God. You came to him when you messed up. That really pleases him. You know, he tells you in Hebrews 4, come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy in a time of trouble and grace in a time of need. So when you need mercy, when do you need mercy? When you go before the court and you ran the red light, you want the judge to have mercy on you and don't give you what you deserve. And God is like, come before me when you need mercy. I got you. I'm yeah. going to give you what you don't deserve. And then I'm going to give you grace to stop the habit in your life. Yeah. So it's like either way you win, win. You know what I mean? So just remembering that, keeping that stuff in the forefront of your mind and your heart and, and just knowing like, dude, you're doing better. Yeah. You, it was a time in your life you weren't even thinking about God. Yeah. Now you get convicted and you praying, you crying. Dude, you're not even the same person. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a good thing. And I love it. Yeah, Guys, bro. Brandon Gatson. Make sure to follow him on Instagram, right? Yes, sir. It's like at Brandon Gatson, right? Uh, yeah, at Brandon Gatson Instagram, yeah. Facebook, and then uh, thebrandongatson.com. Yeah, follow him because he's like releasing stuff all the time, and he's only gonna start actually releasing more stuff, right? Yes, sir. Prophesy. Probably online classes, everything, <laughs> yeah, right? Come on, come on. And with it. <laughs> you're gonna be eventually coming out here with Dan. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Sometime soon there with we our go. team and yes, doing sir. something. Doing something good. So I love it. Thank yeah. you so much. Man, thank you, bro. bro. Enjoyed this. This good podcast stuff. is lit. <laughs>